This is an SBS audio podcast. SBS acknowledges the traditional custodians of country and their connections and continuous care for the skies, lands and waterways across Australia. Hi there, g'day, and welcome to this episode of The Settlement Guide, a series where we help you navigate life in Australia. Whether you arrived today, have been living here for years, whether you were born in Australia or you're planning to move here shortly, this series is for you. My name is Claudiana Blanco, and I came to live in Sydney more than a decade ago, and I'm still learning about life down under every day. Today we will explore sexual consent and the law. In Australia, non-consensual sexual activity is a criminal offence, whether it takes place in real life or online. In some jurisdictions, alleged perpetrators accused of sexual assault must prove in court they have obtained consent before engaging in sexual activity. So, how can you ensure you're having consensual sex? It's really about establishing, is this something that we both want to do? Is it something that we're both going to be satisfied with? But in terms of establishing consent in the moment, it's as simple as asking questions as you go through that sexual interaction. Some of the questions you might ask are like, is it okay if I touch you here? Do you like this? Do you want me to do this? Let's get started. According to the Australian National Domestic Family and Sexual Violence Counseling Service, more commonly known as the 1800 Respect Helpline, the term sexual violence can be used to describe any sexual activity that makes you feel scared or uncomfortable. Sexual violence encompasses sexual assault, sexual abuse, rape, and sexual harassment. The word violence here is used to refer to physical aggression, as well as emotional and psychological harm that can be inflicted in person or through non-physical means, like online. Australian Bureau of Statistics figures show one in five women in Australia has experienced sexual violence since the age of 15. Senior Sergeant Monique Kelly leads a Victoria Police specialist team of detectives that investigate sexual crimes and work with victim survivors of sexual violence. She says sexual assault is defined as any intimate contact that is unwelcome. It's any unwarranted contact of a private part of the anatomy where your free agreement, where consent is not being given. That can be a physical touch, can be done through the media. It doesn't always have to be physical touch. There are a range of different ways that a sexual assault can be enacted on somebody else. The sharing of intimate images where there's been no consent to share them. People who will write stories that will be clear in, in their storytelling on what they're conveying could meet the threshold of what a sexual assault is. Sexual violence is considered a serious crime. 
In recent years, some Australian jurisdictions have been changing their laws to mandate those accused of sexual offences to prove in court that they obtained consent before engaging in sexual activity. Investigative journalist Jess Hill has explored sexual consent in the three-part documentary series Asking for It. She says the first step is for each individual to ascertain what feels and doesn't feel good in a sexual interaction. Once you know your stance and boundaries, you should establish them and also ask your partner how they're feeling. It's important parties learn how to say yes or no at every stage of the intimate activity. It's really about establishing, is this something that we both want to do? Is it something that we're both going to be satisfied with? But in terms of establishing consent in the moment, it's as simple as asking questions as you go through that sexual interaction. Some of the questions you might ask are like, is it okay if I touch you here? Do you like this? Do you want me to do this? Can I do this? Literally just checking in so that it's not a totally silent exercise. Ensuring sexual consent means you should confirm there is an enthusiastic, affirmative approval of all sexual activities being performed during the whole duration of the interaction. In certain jurisdictions, for sex to be lawful, it is no longer enough to assume you have sexual consent. You must seek it actively and repeatedly. Ensuring sexual consent entails much more than thinking someone is seemingly agreeing to a sexual activity. You should look out for verbal and nonverbal cues that indicate sexual consent is or isn't being freely granted. This is because consent can be retracted at any stage, and if your partner falls silent or becomes paralyzed, they may be signaling dissent. It's not enough for you to presume that there was consent because of certain types of body language or because they didn't say no. Obviously, no looks like no. That person might say stop, but they might just be silent or they might freeze. In a sexual interaction, if you're with someone and they can't say anything, that's not enthusiastic consent. If they say, oh, I'm not sure, and they sound like they're really unsure about what's about to happen, then it's better to check in and say, like, are you sure you want to do this? We don't have to do this. Lawyer and author Michael Bradley has worked with sexual violence victim survivors for years. He says the law already establishes clear instances in which sexual consent cannot be granted. There are these boundaries around who is capable of giving informed consent. Consent can't be given, for example, being intoxicated or unconscious for whatever reason. Someone with very extreme intellectual disability who simply doesn't understand or cannot understand what they're doing and is incapable of giving consent. Children under 16 are incapable of giving consent per se by law. However, Mr. Bradley also says there are some problem areas in how the legal system responds to rape in situations where consent is seemingly given due to fear or pressure. It gets into a greyish area where someone's will has been overborne because of duress, force or coercion. It's a particularly thorny subject in the context of family and domestic violence. If a person is in a coercive control relationship, 
relationship that includes sexual coercion, then although they may be actively consenting in a practical sense, but if that's really because they don't believe they have a safe alternative choice or they've actually lost the ability to exercise free will, then there is no consent. Aspects of seeking, giving and denying sexual consent only became a mandatory element of the Australian National Curriculum from 2023. This directive came as a response to criticism, saying there wasn't enough focus on contemporary notions of sexuality and sexual abuse prevention. The new curriculum aims to teach consent and respectful relationships in an age-appropriate manner and covers coercion and power imbalances. It also delves into gendered stereotypes, including the differences in the traditional cultural expectations placed on men and women. Richie Hardcore is an educator and activist with years of experience working in family and sexual violence prevention. He provides frank sex education and consent programs to schools across Australia and New Zealand. He believes there is a discrepancy between the cultural norms that discourage speaking openly about sex due to taboos and stigma and the sexual objectification of women in advertising while children increasingly access explicit and often violent pornographic material online. Popular culture normalizes sexual aggression and sexual dominance, often in a gendered asymmetrical way. Boys and men often there's power of women and girls. Women and girls are shaped to sexually acquiesce to male advances. We really need to do a better job of talking about sexual autonomy and sexual agency and mutual sexual pleasure and talk about like the good side of sex as much as avoiding the harm of it because sex is this amazing human experience and however you're having it, no one should be getting hurt physically, emotionally or spiritually. Given sexual consent is retractable and generations have grown up unaccustomed to asking for sexual consent during their intimate interactions, this means many sexual encounters may inadvertently be non-consensual. Let's give everyone the language that they need and then the social normalization of having these conversations. I think it will undo a lot of harm. When we talk about rape, we often think about someone jumping out of the bushes with a knife and dragging someone off, and sadly that happens. But most sexual violence is perpetrated by someone who knows the victim or people on Tinder dates or even within relationships. That's the fact of the matter. So how do we ensure that people are having non-violent, mutually pleasurable, consensual sexual experiences? For Jess Hill, learning how to ask for sexual consent in a way that feels natural involves deconstructing culturally imposed shame around sex, updating misplaced, gendered sexual expectations, and antiquated notions of femininity and masculinity. There is definitely a lot for women and men to unlearn in terms of that, how they situate and construct their own desire. It's no small task. That's why saying yes is as important as saying no. If you require emotional support, you can contact 1-800-RESPECT or Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1-800-22-4636. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Settlement Guide, written and produced by me, Claudiana Blanco. The Settlement Guide Managing Editor is Rosa Germian. Until next time.
sbs.com.au/audio